Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Before we get to our top story, I would like to acknowledge that it is both Columbus Day, which is a national holiday, and Indigenous Peoples Day, which a lot of people are celebrating instead. And normally I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like PC stuff and rewriting history and I'm not a big monument builder, but I'm also not a big monument destroyer. So, but this particular issue, I kind of have thoughts on, which is, I understand the whole Columbus Day thing, because in the context of our, of history until like basically this moment, people have been proud of what's called progress of exploration and development and all that kind of stuff. And our own history, everybody kind of has that. That's something that's absolutely trying to be destroyed. So those who would destroy Columbus day aren't really destroying it because they care about justice and equity. They're destroying it because it's a unifying positive way to think about history. However, it's a pretty sketchy thing to have, the history of taking over this kind of untamed land from people who lived here. And for me, it's always been a question of the origin of property rights. And I could justify it. I'm not saying I took this position strongly, but I think the argument is that you can't, that that there were maybe a million indigenous people in North America or in the confines of what's now the United States at the time of the colonies. And that that's a terrible waste of land that it's not it doesn't comport with be fruitful and multiply it's just not efficient like there's no way to own for a million people to own all of that land which they couldn't really protect but that kind of goes to the concept of of human nature human rights relationship with god individuality collectivism all that kind of stuff which My opinion of that is kind of evolving and it really comes from what's nutritious, what's free, you know, what's what is um, consistent with being liberated. So if we're really meant to have a kind of curated wild land, that's what's best for our bodies and our minds is this kind of permaculture idea where you tame the land like when i read against the grain against the grain was about samson has opinions uh against the grain was about kind of that that bef- even after we knew we could domesticate plants and animals human beings really didn't do that for thousands of years they curated it they would they would control the progress of the herd and make sure it went past them or whatever so if you look at the indigenous people and you say well they were actually living the way we're supposed to live, like from a moral perspective, morality, I always think of principle as being consistent with pragmatism. So if our health and well-being is consistent with this style of living, then likely that's where your principles should arise. And that makes me think about the origin of property rights. Can they be collective? Can they really exist? Some of the great anarchist thinkers, I think even like Thomas Paine and Thoreau would kind of say, that the origin of the ownership of actual physical land 
is different. And but that's like a Marxist thing, too. Then you, you zip into like where the U.N. says you shouldn't own land. You can own your stuff. The World Economic Forum. I have no privacy. I own nothing. Well, you're not owning uh, land, but they let you own like the clothes you wear. That's kind of always OK. So I tread lightly on that. But I feel like there maybe was some kind of that it's almost facile. It's almost like the reason we say this is the origin of property rights is this is how we, we meaning our, the heritage that would celebrate Columbus Day. We, that's what serves our purposes. I always wonder about that. I always try not to like think of my right and wrong as happening to be the right and wrong that's consistent with who I am and my profile. So I just feel like this is a day of for thought. And actually, maybe I'll put in the show notes a little blurb I wrote when my daughter's class did this speech, this famous speech from Chief Joseph. I'll put it in the show notes, but I just feel like it's a it's a time for reflection. Yeah, Columbus Day is one of those days where you, you do feel conflicted when you think about what, at least what we're familiar with, what happened, kind of the way that I think about it, one of the ways anyway, is that what they're doing right now, the people who, who are co-opting it to create these other days, it's a united front tactic, a Marxist tactic to appeal to something that a lot of people are going to get behind because of their moral nature and to just exploit that. And I just feel like they're using this indigenous day not because... The people who are behind the creation of it, not because they genuinely care about that, but because they want to exploit the sentiments that people feel from it. And I wonder, like the more the morality has definitely changed since back in Christopher Columbus's days to now. But has it changed when it comes to the rulers? That's funny. Yeah, that you would say that, because, in fact, it's all about progress. Anyway, this was an observation I made a long time ago when I was looking at some contemporary writings from the time of colonization and the time of African slavery and some stuff that came across my um, came to my attention when Sarah Palin was running as vice president. So I had just had a child with Down syndrome and she just had a child with Down syndrome. And and it really infuriated the left because what they were trying to say all along was abortion is necessary or women can't get ahead. It stands in the way of progress. And she was showing that she could progress without without having to make this have an abortion. She was pregnant when she got married. Her daughter was got pregnant while she was running for VP. Like all these pregnancies that she, that abortion advocates would say are necessary to be aborted for the woman to progress. A lot of that stuff about colonizing and uh, slaves is about like the victim, the slave or the indigenous person not having a soul. So they're not really a person or they stand in the way of progress. Like you have to clear the land because we need to progress for goodness. So the language is a lot the same. So I feel like you're right. Like there's no there's no redemption in, in this. It's just a new kind of exploitation, always for the same purpose, which is to to add to the power or the wealth or whatever of the people who are crafting the narrative or setting the agenda. Interesting. And speaking of the people who are crafting the narrative, or at least reporting the news, that leads us into our first big story, which is, uh, this was called to my attention by Robert, who we had an interview with on Friday. He 
sent me an email saying, like, are you aware of what's going on here? Have you heard about all the Southwest Airlines flights that have been canceled over the weekend? Yeah. Did you do you notice what they're saying the reasoning is? Well, on the surface, it appears that the reason is vaccine mandates. But from what I understand, the union released a letter saying that it's not they, they didn't address that specifically, but they made it seem like that's not the reason. So Alex Berenson, who I'm always sketchy about people who are in the mainstream media and then come out against. And I always feel like it's a limited hangout. They're going to corral you into some bad thinking. But to his credit, this uh, Substack thread that Robert sent me had pilots talking about it and apparently it this is what the scuttlebutt is there and i'm persuaded by it that it is about the mandates and that the unions are totally betray the pilots so the pilots because they can't get the support of the unions they can't outwardly say it so they can just all call in sick spontaneously they can't coordinate they can't organize they can't make a statement to this effect but they can have a sick out and i've also heard that in jacksonville the air traffic control people and maybe other people behind the scenes are just taking sick days and this is being highly disruptive and here's the thing because there's a total media blackout on this or at least they're not really covering it they're not interviewing people even anonymously there's absolutely no real journalism being brought to bear here this seems to me like it's something um off the script and it prompted me to invent another Glossary term, a kind of a takeoff on a previous one, my contrary law of democracy, the contrary law of media coverage. So if the media is absolutely not covering it, it lends, in my opinion, validity to the narrative that the media is not covering. Yeah, it certainly seemed like a bit of a coincidence for a bunch of pilots that many to not go to work all around the same time the mandates are coming down. And what they're saying is it's bad weather, which would mean that all the airlines would have the exact same problem, which they don't. And they're also saying poor scheduling and a worker shortage already. Poor scheduling. That's another glossary term of mine. The incompetence canard. Their poor scheduling airlines in the U.S. are run like clockwork. They actually gave us case studies in business school of how seamless airline they they have software to figure all that stuff out and they were on the cutting edge of it. Their reservation systems are way more complicated than their scheduling, although, you know, I'm sure it is quite complicated. However, they've pretty much cracked the code on that long ago. You can tell because of the real tight way that they can get things out in the air. The on time is very low um, or the off schedule takeoffs are very low, lower than ever. And why why are there why are there worker shortages? Like what 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 random reason could there be for worker shortages? That makes no sense whatsoever, except for this. Yeah, this seems like the primary reason there'd be worker shor- shortages. I find it interesting that the unions are not supporting them is that seemed that's what you were saying right that the unions yes, are kind of going it, against them so they are having yeah. to do something that's like they're having to unionize against the union almost that's See, an interesting yeah. development unions have long i've seen that before i've kind of been ner- noticing that before and now it's really out now because i just i've run into a lot of teachers where the unions just never support them it's almost like the unions are there to control the workers and and get their own payola or what they a lot of times what unions will do is or this is like the paradox of the union the union most times will just make sure they know what 51 percent of the people want and need they'll get it for that 51 percent they know that they'll stay in place they can take the rest of the surplus for themselves and to hell with the lower 49 
because they have no power in, in a voting situation. So I so uh the tragedy of democracy is really a problem with unions. Just a few other little quick points. Fauci says that domestic travel is not likely to require a vaccine anytime soon. And I assume that is because he is maybe I'm not assuming, but it could be that this is like kind of telling them where the limits are and the airlines will push back on that because they maybe will be able to replace the pilots. But there are other shortages. There's school bus driver shortages, obviously healthcare shortages. They're saying that people in the service, the military, a lot of them are not getting the vaccine and they're leaving. And I can see that shaking these out, um, reducing labor force in all of these areas could promote some other goals, such as, you know, replacing labor with tech, which corporations do like to have the excuse to do. Unions often feed into that. Could be for driverless vehicles, could be for drones, could be for telemedicine. There are a lot of purposes this could serve. And the more virtual everything gets, the less, the fewer jobs there really will be. Wages will be driven down as things can, like labor forces can go global. There's a lot of negative things that might shake out from this. uh, But in the short term, the shortages do seem to be coming from uh, just this transition. But I, I don't think there's any chance that this that this they didn't anticipate some of this. Oh, I'm sure they did. It, what's interesting, essential services. Remember in the beginning of the pandemic, nobody could go to work except your essential workers. Now they weren't vaccinated and they were going to work. But now essential workers who aren't vaccinated are walking off the job because they're being forced to show their papers or leave. And as police officers, as people, nurses, work in hospitals, some doctors, now we have pilots and supply chain stuff. The law enforcement type stuff, the military, that seems like an intentional weakening of our forces around the country. I, I agree. And to your point, I heard a nurse say from heroes to zeros in 12 months. Right. That's, a, that's that's an interesting way to put it, for sure. So New York, speaking of these vaccine mandates, New York City has helped out Kyrie Irvin, it appears. And Kyrie Irvin will be allowed to practice in the Brooklyn Nets practice facility. Maybe you can call it the loophole extension. Forget the medical extension. Forget the religious exemption. Go with the loophole extension. Here's what happened. Previously, he was not going to be able to practice and he couldn't play in home games because the New York City mandate said that a person needed to have proof of at least one COVID-19 vaccine shot to enter, among other places, gymnasiums. Now, putting aside the the ridiculousness of only requiring one shot when you say you're not fully vaccinated until you have two, (laughs) don't even get me started on that. But that's all changed now because over the weekend, New York City ruled that the Brooklyn Nets practice facility, which is located separately from its arena, is a private office building and therefore it does not fall under the New York City vaccine mandate, meaning that Kyrie can now practice with the team every single day. Can he play? Right now, he still cannot play. He can't play in home games. He can play in away games. If he wasn't able to practice at all, it was going to make it very difficult for him to play in away games. But now he can be with the team and at least play in away games. But his coach is having similar thoughts that I'm thinking. He said, Coach Steve Nash of the Nets, he said... Oh, I know Steve Nash. He used to be in Dallas when I lived there. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. 
He said, I think right now we assume he's not going to be available for the home games, but anything can change. Who's to say the city's ordinance could change? Anything could change. I think right now we're just trying to remain flexible, open-minded, and figure it out as we go because information is coming in by the half day. We found this out Friday that he could come in the building. Things are shifting. I feel like he's anticipating that there might be a little negotiation going on, which I, I thought in the beginning. I was like, is the city going to negotiate with the team? He's too good of a player. We'll see where this goes. That's not the only team that's getting a loophole. Your Los Angeles Lakers out there are benefiting as well. Really? Do as tell. you know, you just got you guys got these strict mandates that came in. That's kind of like New York's and, and San Francisco's mandates where under under your ordinance in L.A., you can't enter a gym unless you've been fully vaccinated, meaning 14 days since their last dose. So they have to get two doses and 14 days out in L.A. So this would obviously prevent a lot of Lakers fans from going to games. However, the Staples Center came out with a, a statement and said that they're not going to follow the rules of Los Angeles. What? Because are they are kidding? already following the Los Angeles County rules. Here's what they, which are different. They're not as strict. Yeah, they are different because I live in L.A. County, but I don't live in L.A. City. Yeah, this is what they said. They said the Staples Center and Microsoft Theater will continue to follow the protocols established by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, which requires guests to show proof of being fully vaccinated or providing a negative COVID test 72 hours out. So there's another little loophole that a team has wiggled its way through. So they're saying that. So my understanding is right now you have the testing option, but like November 1st, you won't in L.A., the city. So I can't go to bars. So like the one thing I wanted to luckily and I'm actually going to Hawaii for my vacation. We always go every year. We we didn't go last year, obviously, but we're it's probably the last time I'm ever going to be able to go. But I can't eat in any of the restaurants there and i don't even think i can go into i definitely can't go into any of the bars there so i have all these little i'm checking a bag with all little vials of liqueurs and tinctures and stuff so i can make my own cocktails when i'm there but yeah that's it like i've i've already i'm kind of i gotta have like my tunnel backpack ready to go i'm just gonna i got my, my home is on my back because <laughs> of this because everywhere I go I have to bring my own my own provisions well one place you can go when you're at home in LA is to the Lakers game because Staples Center I just can't Center. believe that that just doesn't even make sense because of course it does it's the Lakers they want fans <laughs> coming into the game okay, okay makes perfect okay. sense okay maybe you only get that privilege if you actually have seats on the floor because i have found like absolutely everything is totally regressive so you your testing option the tests are freaking expensive i've never had a test before i have to take a yes, test they in are. hawaii but like the test i have to get has to be compliant with the rules and it has to have a guaranteed return in a certain number of hours and yada yada and i'm gonna get it bucks yeah, I, I don't know how much it is, but if like if it doesn't come back in time, I have to pay two hundred to have like a really fast one, and I'm a little nervous that I'll get a false positive. Then I would have to do another one, and like Novavax is coming out in Japan, but probably won't be available here. And I thought, well, if if no if the Novavax thing is no big deal, maybe rich people can fly to Japan. Like it's so regressive, everything's so regressive. The Supreme Court knocks things down like that all the time. It's called. Um, disparate impact, even if it's not intended to. You're just not allowed to have stuff like that. But that's what we have right now. But I think it will, I think that the worm will turn, but they're just trying to get as many people to capitulate as they can before these things get pushed to the limit. And it looks like they're hitting the brink. Thank God for the pilots and the NBA players. That's right. 
the NBA too. You got to think Kyle Wiggins or Andrew Wiggins has got to be like, man, because he didn't <laughs> he hold out. He's, no, they wouldn't have made a, a, an hey, exception. He probably only got the first one. That's true. And Where I don't think they're going to, I doubt, I doubt they're going to bring that back up. Yeah, I guess it's going to depend on what the law is in San Francisco. In New York, it's only one. I don't well, know if that's San the same Francisco in San Francisco. Is like he might have to be fully gulag. vaccinated. Yeah. yeah, my mom got one, and then my sister-in-law's mom had a fatal reaction. And so my mom would not get the second shot. So the second shot, she died. Yeah. Like a month after. So seems to us, we, we believe it. The doctors believe it. I mean, whatever. So anyway... Uh, well, my the most important thing is that my mother believes it, and so she is not getting the second chat. Okay. I'll give a heads up to yeah, people yeah. in New York City. Anybody who rides the subway. <laughs> you might yeah, want to be aware. That's happening. Okay, go ahead. Between <laughs> the dates of October 18th and October 29th, there's a study being held throughout the subway system over there. And it is part of a study on airborne terrorism threats. The researchers from the Homeland Security and MIT will be releasing non-toxic particles and gases into the New York subway system at dozens of locations around the city. Their aim is to find actionable data for emergency preparedness authorities, and the particles and gases released are designed to imitate biological and chemical agents. Homeland Security said they did an environmental assessment of the gases and particles to be released, and they are ensuring us that they are safe, the officials have told us. I wonder if the particles include mRNA or spike proteins. I don't know, but that's a little terrifying if you're here's the thing they've done stuff like this before and not told the public intentionally because they were trying to get reactions from the public to they wanted to see if the public noticed the chemical agents is back in 1966 as one example the army sprayed a bacteria that they said was harmless directly onto subway riders through vents as part of an experiment and this experiment was made public in 1980 the riders did not notice the test which the army officials said made the system a prime target for a covert attack which uh, a quick aside that that strangely enough that was was revealed after a Freedom of Information Act request from the Church of Scientology. But they are promising us this time around that they are going to be much more transparent than they have in the past. And they say customers may see signage identifying specific locations involved in the study as they travel around New York City. And they assure everybody that it poses no health risk to the public. And they have tested the the materials. So we'll, That's yeah. interesting because today the Nobel Prize in Economics was awarded and one of the guys who got it was Guido Imbens. Guido? Sorry, Guido Imbens. I just want to make sure Samson was finished contributing. So Guido Imbens of Stanford University, he, it, but it's for this thing called late local average treatment effect. And in short, from what I can tell, it's about using real world experiences to determine causal relationships. So the way the scientific methods in economics, so it's a social science, the way science, as you know, the way scientific experiment is, it's like double blind and, in, you know, vaccines or whatever should be saline placebo controlled and it has to go all the way to the end and whatever, double blind, all of that. And you have to control as many other variables as you can. So you want to have the same risk profile of people, the same demographics, 
um, in both groups and yada, yada. So he said, well, that's not how the real world works. So we just want to observe real life situations and conclude how things will happen in order to inform policies such as social security and welfare and unearned income and stuff and mandating more school college and and seeing if that has an impact on people's wealth and everything and for me that you can't control for the variables and the critique is when you do that you're gonna find what you're looking for and this will just totally multiply the non-replicability crisis that's science by that's anecdotal science is all that is that's what cnn does every day they find the most extreme story to represent the narrative they want to push it could be one in a million but they'll put it all over the news, the news as though it is what's going on everywhere. That That is one thing, but I think what they're doing is they are trying to get a robust group to look at, but that group is in its natural environment and there are a lot of variables and that's the biggest problem with economics is that you cannot control for the other variables. So you want to say mandating more school results in higher incomes, but there are a lot of other factors at work, including the impact of the mandate on the way people think, on the expectations around the world or in the world around them or over time. So here's an example for me is that they a while back they said that if an old person could walk across the room, they were less likely to die in the next year. So their recommendation to doctors was get your old people to walk across the room. <laughs> so what do you think happens? Then... Walking across the room will no longer, you kind of like teach to the test. Walking across the room, that result will impact behavior. And then you see that it wasn't a causal relationship at all. It was just that being able to walk across the room coincides with better health. That's all. If you force somebody to walk across the room, even if it kills them, you know, it's not going to result in better health unless, you know, they're actually improving their health. So it just, this thing seems. Let's just put it this way. I feel like this Nobel Prize was given out because that the big T they want this kind of um, subjective, easily manipulated, quote, science to justify their policies. And that New York City subway thing, oh, we need to like release this into the public. Then they, maybe they'll get their, the results they're looking for. But it's in the natural environment where a lot of variables cannot be controlled. It's like advocacy science, kind of like the journalism guy that we from the Daily Beast we talked about in a Rockfin video where he said that we no longer have to be objective or cover both sides. We can just be straight up advocates is basically what he said. I mean, if the people conducting it are already have their their agenda in place. But the fact is what a lot of times happens when you do research is that the research is only done by the people who are looking for the thing that the policymakers want to find. And that seems to be a criticism of this technique. So anyway, that was that was a, a lot of stuff. So we have to move on to our last big story of the free 30. But and that's going to be something you're bringing that you can't call climate change a hoax on YouTube anymore. Can I ask you and something? I don't mean to interrupt. Can you tell me about the naval spies in the DMB XR? Because I don't know much about that story. You want to hear about it? Sure. I'll tell you what I think about it. But you're going to tell us um, about what's going to happen after 
YouTube doesn't allow the climate change hoax. And I guess in the XR, I'll tell you about the naval spies. But I also wanted to tell you about the IMF wondering if they fudge their numbers. And I would ask a rhetorical question. Are bears Catholic? I think the answer to both of those questions is the same. So Trump also, this is your contribution to the XR, just might have a new slogan. We'll tell you what it is. And I do want to give. So before we get to the free, the last big story, the free 30 and the XR, I want to give a big thank you and shout out to the sponsor of today's show an old friend and sponsor of ours, True Hemp Science. If you are familiar with the wonderful qualities of CBD, some people use it for anti-inflammatory properties, some use it to ease anxiety or to support better rest and relaxation. If you are one of those people, try True Hemp Science because I firmly believe that, and I've heard nothing but great things from people that we've directed there, you will find there is no higher quality CBD product than those that True Hemp Science offers. The variety is fantastic. You would not believe how excited I am when I get a goodie bag from True Hemp Science. There's a variety of oils cookies, gummies, brownies, lots of CBD products. And if you are new to CBD and you don't know how fun it is to get a package like that, go to truehempscience.com slash prop report. Set up a call with our man, Chris. He has free consultations and uh, he will tell you, you just talk to him about it. He'll tell you all about it. In any case, you should consider taking advantage of the special offer that True Hemp Science has for Propaganda Report listeners through the end of October. They are offering four 40% off just to Propaganda Report members at community, uh, 40% off a 10 milliliter bottle of number 23 full spectrum CBD MCT oil uh, when you purchase any product for more than $44. So if they have a fantastic skincare product line as well. So if you're not familiar with CD, CBD products and you want to just try it, buy yourself some of their absolutely fantastic skincare products and then you can take advantage of this offer to get uh, a sample of the CBD oil. And you can do that through truehemscience.com slash prop report. It should give you the coupon right away, but if not, be sure to use code prop 23. And I also want to tell people that we appreciate it when you uh, support our sponsors and also when you support us, we are constantly, we're always trying to offer more to our listeners, to our patrons, to our Rockfin subscribers. So one of the things that we launched last week, and I think it was, it exceeded my wildest expectations, was that we did the DNB XR live streaming with a video on Rockfin on Thursday at one o'clock Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do it again this Thursday. We're going to try, I don't know if you saw this, but um, our friends at Grand Theft World reached out and said, hey, you could actually stream. This is an idea that you had, but he said we can stream the free 30 on YouTube, Facebook or whatever. And then um, at the same time, do the full XR just for subscribers on Rockfin. And that we can also we'll take a few questions Q&A at the end of that. So it'll be a full hour on Thursday. So check out Rockfin.com slash Propaganda Report for that and a whole lot more, as well as Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. That's the only place you can get the premium RSS feed for use on all of your podcasting platforms. So with that, on to the last story of the Free 30. 
All right, so over the weekend, Google announced a new monetization policy for Google advertisers, publishers, and YouTube creators that will prohibit ads for and monetization of content that contradicts well-established scientific consensus around the existence and causes of climate change. And part of this, they will not be allowing people to allowing they will not allow creators to create content that that contradicts this well-established consensus that climate change exists. They cannot call it a hoax. So if you call climate change a hoax, then you will be demonetized and possibly removed. And they promise us that in creating this policy, that they worked with the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change so we can feel really good about the people who are advising them. I wonder where this goes, because I was thinking about this. So one of my favorite new things, a lot of people's favorite new things, I don't often get caught up in a lot of the memes, but I love this new meme. It's the Let's Go Brandon meme. I love Let's Go Brandon. You, know you know what Let's Go Brandon is, right? I'll give you the quick summary. Joe Biden's been going to college football games. He's been going to places and big crowds of people, students have been chanting, F Joe Biden, F Joe Biden. Well, there was a NASCAR race a few weeks back and the guy wins and he's being interviewed at the end of the show. And while he's being interviewed, you hear a chant emerge in the background. And in the background, the chant is clearly, absolutely F Joe Biden. F Joe Biden. They're not saying F. They're saying. No, they're saying the F, the F word. word. They're saying the full word. Yeah. But the journalist who is interviewing the winner clearly recognizes this because she kind of chuckled and before asking <laughs> the funny. question. But she goes, are you listening to this crowd right now? They're here. They're chanting for you. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> so, yeah, so she she it was an NBC journalist and she kind of reframed as they're saying, let's go, Brandon, when they were clearly saying F One of Joe the drivers. Biden, yes. So Okay, so the media literally... It's the contrary law of media coverage. Exactly. So the new <laughs> meme has become, let's go Brandon as a way to say F Joe Biden. There's That's t-shirts so and it's fantastic. Wow. And I was thinking I about that in context great. of this because I was thinking it's not going to be long before let's go Brandon is on the ACLU as a racist dog whistle or something like that. <laughs> Poor Brandon. Yeah, poor Brandon. What if your name's Brandon? Then you're in trouble. If you're a liberal parent with a kid named Brandon, you're probably going to have to change your kid's name. But with this new policy where you can't even call climate change a hoax, or you can't say that it's a hoax, or you can't go against the established science, they say you can have a debate about it, but you can't go against the science. And it makes me wonder... Content creators, some will leave, but what others will do who have a big following on YouTube already, they will just start talking about it in different terms. They will start creating new language. They might call it egg yolk. Hoax might, egg yolk might mean hoax. So they might say climate change is egg yolk, and their audience might understand that to mean that climate change is a hoax. And what will happen then is they will start to say, you can't call climate change egg yolk. And then it will be sarcasm. And you've talked about this before. They will say, climate change is definitely not a hoax. It definitely exists. I totally believe in it. And it will be obvious to that audience that they are being sarcastic, which will kick in that Google, what's that Google thing called? Jigsaw. Where, jigsaw, where they're censoring intent and, and comedy. Well, they they blamed Boogaloo Boys for that on Facebook. They're like, they say the opposite. They use sarcasm and that's how they communicate. That, this but is I getting, mean, isn't that Newspeak straight out of 1984? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. They started it. But I mean, and that's what happens with censorship. It's like it's like black market drugs or prohibition drugs. Like you get meth because people can't just freebase like they used to. 
there is no AI solution to this, even though they're seeking one. It's only going to be arbitrary. Well, there's total... They'll say... Now, now you can't say anything. Now you can. Now you only official sources can discuss it. But this climate change yeah. thing, it is it is transitioning now because I have kids at three different schools. So I see and one of them is in a public school. My son, especially, he's the best at this because he does. He has Down syndrome, so he doesn't understand like the BS. He doesn't like BS in it. BS it for you. Like they'll teach him about whatever and. Like, that's why I said, like, Trump wants to bring slavery back, you know, because they tell him this stuff and he just can't he can't understand all the couching of the terms. And he just gets the propaganda message and blathers it out. So it's really turning to what's your footprint and how can you change and how can you pressure your parents to change and all of that. Like, it's really it's 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 just completely using the same methods as the the vax brainwashing it seems to me so very interesting okay so let's give it a wrap move on to the xr let me tell you a little shout out we got though we got a shout out from our friend ukjj the pandemic has brought out tens of thousands of heroes all deserving our praise and thanks but in homage to all of you i want to shout out mrs morgan whose brave address in the video link below told it like it is with courage and panache it would be great to know that she's being rewarded not persecuted for her stand i believe this was a politician in england who um had the courage to speak the truth in parliament I think I sent you UKJJ put you it did. on you our sent me the link. Yeah, he put the video in our Telegram chat. So if y'all if you want to join our chat and Telegram's propaganda report channel and then you have to go to the chat and it's there for sure and you're going to embed this actual video right directly in our show notes, right? Yeah. Because it seems like there's no link, probably because it'll get scrubbed. And so he's smart. But I did want to make sure that UKJJ heard our recent shout out to him and his lovely wife, Carol, for their Ruby anniversary. So Happy anniversary. Lovely. Happy anniversary. Hopefully that we discovered that when we met for our last Patron Saint Zoom party. And I'm hoping that UKJJ will be there for the next one because it's about living abroad from Americans who are or have lived abroad or people from other born and raised in other countries who live here now or are just listening from another country. So we're going to have some fun on the October 30th Patron Saint Zoom party. Hopefully UKJJ will be there and you get to see him yourself. Maybe dressed up in a costume. Who knows? You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we put out, every time we put out a DMB, you can go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report or you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our tiers there. We will talk to you tomorrow or in the DNBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 